All right. Thanks for joining us for this next episode of North Carolina Middle School Band Demystified. I'm here today with Buddy Gudger, who's a retired director in our state, who's now a music and arts rep, and uh, he has a long established, awesome career. And so, Buddy, I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Justin, for asking me to do this. My pleasure. My pleasure. You're, you're highly regarded and uh, a champion of music education in our state. And I'm so glad to have you. Um, if you would, buddy, start off with uh, telling us about yourself, your background, where you've been teaching um, education, where you received that, that kind of stuff. We'll start with that. Okay. Um, I grew up in Western North Carolina and I went to high school here. My family's from up here. And uh, after I graduated high school, I went to Mars Hill. Well, it's, it was Mars Hill College at the time. It's Mars Hill University now. And uh, got my degree and uh, started my teaching career actually in southeastern North Carolina down in the Wilmington area. Southport is actually where I taught. And uh, taught in that area for 14 years and then moved back to the up to the mountains and taught middle school band for the last 18 years. So I've taught for 32 years total. And um, I also have a master's degree, but I got it in administration. I always thought, you know, I probably would finish my career as being an administrator because I felt like I had enough experience to back up all that, but it didn't work out, but it's okay. You know, but I, I, I felt like having that degree in administration helped me with my uh, relationships with administrators because you know we we as band directors we think you know it's it's us only and if we don't get what we want then you know well they have it out for us or you know not necessarily because there's so many things that a principal has to think about and that that definitely once I got that degree it, it definitely made me realize what they're up against and it certainly helped me with my relationships with my principals later sure. on. Absolutely. I know we oftentimes have the blinders on uh, young and veteran teachers about uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Sometimes that's a, that's a very valuable uh, a part to see um, to have in, in your uh, toolbox there. Yes. So from Western North Carolina to Eastern North Carolina, that's a big, big jump there. Then back to the West. Uh, it was um, well, when I first started teaching, uh, there was no jobs up here on this part of the state. I mean, there, there was about two or three. And of course, if you're from this area, you realize that that there's the turnover of here is not much up here, up in this part of the state. You might, there might be a couple of jobs here and there, but even then, it goes to more experienced teachers. So that that part of it, I, I I really didn't have a shot at getting anything up there. So I had to move to the other part of the state, which um, not only was it helpful professionally, but it was very helpful for me as a young person that was kind of a little bit on the immature side. I had sure. to learn how to do things for myself and I didn't have my family there to do it for me. And so, I mean, that move was good on, on several accounts. And, um, and I, and I can't say enough that how thankful I have to have the opportunities that I have when I taught in the Eastern part of the state. Absolutely. A lot of great friends down there as well that I still am friends with today. We often see folks that want to go back home where they came from and are too scared to get out of that comfort zone and move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's definitely a, a valuable. It was, hard. It was very hard. I, I bet. Uh, it, I mean, I, I re Mars Hill from my house was not really that far. I really, I think I learned what um, 
homesickness was when I finally had to move away. I, that it really <laughs> wasn't when I was at Mars Hill because yeah. I mean, I mean, I came home every weekend, you know, really it, it was, um, but once I moved away, I mean, you couldn't move, you just couldn't come up every weekend uh, from Eastern part of the state. Sure. So, so. Now this day and time you look on a computer to find those jobs. How did you find that 35 years ago? How, how did you do that? It was different, of um, course, as the technology wasn't where it is now. So how did you go about doing that? Um, I actually, the music dealers, which interesting because I'm working for one now, um, they had the list of jobs that were open. And uh, McFad Music happened to have, they sent, they would send all of us that were looking for jobs. They would send us like every couple of weeks, they would send us a list of jobs that were open. And the first job I got actually was not in Brunswick County, it was in Duplin County. I taught there for two years. And um, that was one of those jobs that I, um, that I got through, I think it was through McFadden Music at the time. And um, went down for the interview and within a couple of weeks I got the job. So, um, and then moved down there, so. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's um, that's how they used to do it. Gotcha. Um, it's so different now. I just you know for yeah. all, all of the young folks that may not kind of understand how that used to work and whatnot, it's it's cool to see that side of it. Mm -hmm. It's totally evolved a whole lot since then. Mm -hmm. Sit at home behind our computer screen and look for jobs. Right. Right. <laughs> so much easier now, isn't it? It, it is much easier now, um, on so many levels. I mean, sure. especially the 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 uh, teaching part of it especially too yeah and networking was I'm a big now but I'm sure it was mm -hmm. huge and a, a huger not huger well a larger part of, of of that back then as well yes yeah yeah knowing um, knowing names I mean um, the older directors that's another thing I mean I felt like back then when I first started teaching you had uh, directors across the state that would take you under their wing and show you how to do things and tell you to keep your mouth shut when you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, and, um, I was very fortunate to have a, a, a very good, uh, leader, uh, Ray Haney, who was the, uh, very big influence there in the Eastern part of the state at that time when I first started teaching. And he just, he, he just told me what I would be doing. He didn't, I didn't ask questions. I just did what he told me. <laughs> nice. That's uh, critical. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, we, young folks, young teachers need to have that mentor and they got to have that. And that's, that's, that's vital too in what we do. Um, let's go ahead and move on to beginning band a little bit. Start talking about that. Uh, you taught beginning band for a while. Could you kind of talk about how you recruited and how that process might have changed over the years and what worked best for you in your situations? Um, I would say, okay, um, starting out in the beginning when I first started teaching, uh, I'd been teaching for a while. I taught predominantly high school, uh, in the Eastern part of the state. And then I came and started teaching middle school when I moved to Hendersonville. But, um, I, I think my philosophy changed a lot. I, in the beginning, I, I, I taught way too much like a high school director. And if you, um, Justin, I don't know, have you taught high school at all? No, I have not. You've done predominantly middle school? All middle school, yes, sir. Um, it, the philosophy of middle school is not the same as high school. And it's, I, I, my attitude in the beginning was, oh, it's just middle school, it'll be okay. Oh, it's just middle school, you know? No. 
Uh, it's like anything else you do. It's all about expectations. It's about um, holding the kids to the fire, make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do. But at the same time, with the middle school, you can't beat up on them like a lot of high school band directors do on their high school kids. Sure. It's a dog and pony show all the time. And even though you may be getting on them on there, you have to be loving on them over here because that was awesome. Even though it might have not have been, you just have to find ways to build up children. And that's, that to me is the biggest thing that I learned over the, is the expectations and working to build up children. Cause that's what it's all about. You know, it's not right. about tearing them down and, and you know, that type of thing. Um, the recruitment part of it, um, there's many things that I felt like um, I had to have in place. And I, the first thing that I felt like I had to have in place was I had to have a good relationship with all the fifth grade teachers at the elementary schools. And I had to go introduce myself and, you know, it might mean bringing them donuts one day or doing something, you know, just to try to build that relationship with the fifth grade teachers because they can make or break you. Sure. Um, that That's very helpful. And they will also let you know if, if there's issues with certain students that, you know, that maybe they should not go down that path of a band or something like that, they can let you know ahead of time, you know, this one may struggle, this one may this or that. So having that relationship with fifth grade teachers is important. Um, I feel like with the kids themselves, I think that we, um, we always did a concert for the children. Um, and we would have what they would call the uh, fifth grade orientation where they would have all the elementary school kids come to the middle school and we would have about 20 minutes 20, or about 20 no about 30 minutes I should say where the band and the strings would do a, a little small concert and then we would do our spiel about you know all the instruments and all that type of stuff and we always had to play cool music because that's uh -huh. what it's all about. It has to be cool. Don't do the MPA music for, for recruitment. Do something that is fun. Right. And, and it has to be dog and pony to the max. And just tell them, we want you in our band program. And it and, and I just keep saying that over and over and over again, which they'd start laughing. But I'm like, no, we want you in our program. And uh, it uh, it's kind of like being a Pied Piper. I mean, you just got to keep going after it and going after it and going after it. Um, we would also do uh, a petting zoo, which I would always take horns over to the elementary schools, let them try it, um, do mouthpiece testing, all that stuff. We did all of that. Um, and let's see, what else did we do? But the big thing is, um, uh, making that connection with them, you know, and tell them again, we want you in the program, you know, and, uh, if they really want to do band enough, I would also have a clipboard where I would have them put their phone number down, their parents' name down, and I would individually call every one of those kids that wanted to do that. Oh, wow. Now, granted, I didn't get all of them, sure. but, but it would make that connection with that family where, oh, he wants us in that program. Yeah, we do want you. Um, I wouldn't do the alert now. Well, actually, we did do the alert now, but I felt like I personally needed to make that contact with, with the family. And um, that helped as well. Um, let's see, what else did we do? Is alert uh, now the phone tree thing? 
I'm like, sorry. Is alert now the phone tree? Are they yes. mass call? Okay, mass calling. Gotcha. Mass calling, yeah. Yeah, okay. or the messenger. Or what, or, yes, yeah, that's gotcha. what. Um, we also had that too, but I but I felt like that if, you know, if they want if they want to do band, I'm like, I will call and I'll, we want you in the program. And, uh, um, and that was a very big, huge help, which of course we did letters, would give kids letters to take on to their parents. But we always, I always tried to make sure I followed up with a phone call because we all know that kids leave stuff all the time. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> so, that's right. Um, but if I followed it up with a phone call, it's kind of like, oh, now when is that again? And I thought, no, they didn't get the letter, but they, they're acting like they did. And then I just go back over the information again and all that type of stuff. But, you know, making having several things you have to have in line, lined up. And usually that would help. You know, we'd, we'd do two meetings. We'd do one right after school at four o'clock, and then we'd do one at seven for the parents that couldn't get off in time but could come later on. And uh, we usually, uh, I mean, Hendersonville is a small school. It was the smallest of the, the county, uh, county schools in Henderson County. So um, I felt good if I got 50 to 55 kids in there. And that's usually about what I would get. And then I would gain during the summer, there'd be others who would want to come in and we want to be in the band and all that stuff. So I would wind up with about 65 or 70 every year. So, which is a good number for our size school. And the school was what, 500 kids, 600 kids, yeah. if, if that? Yeah, about five, 550. Yeah, okay. it's, not, it's not very big at all. And of course, Hendersonville High School is the smallest of, of the th- uh, four high schools in Henderson County too. So. Right, right. I think as a middle school director, especially if we're not a good salesman or salesperson, and if we can't connect with the kids, I mean, I think that's, that's the job right there. It's, you can be the greatest musician ever, but if you can't connect and can't sell your product, it's... Would you agree oh, with that? You nailed, it. you nailed it right on the head at being the Pied Piper. I mean, it's just, um, and I think that's the biggest thing with Daniel Dickens, uh, who took over my position. You know, I try to impress upon him that, you know, um, the biggest, the biggest, most important thing that I feel like uh, we have many hats that we have as a band director, but the biggest thing is recruitment because that's the future of your program. Mm-hmm. And um, um, that's the biggest thing that I try to impress upon him was that, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to do this. Make that extra effort, you know, to do other things to try to get them in the program. Right. That's right. It's incredible advice there. Oh, thank you. Good to hear. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about uh, doing the, the instrument tryout stuff. Were you big on having kids mouthpiece tests? And were you like, um, is that a balance of figuring out which, which instrument they're going to play? Or is that all kid directed or all you? How did that work for you? And how much of a stickler were you on that? Um, well, um, I would go to, uh, after we did the concert and stuff at the school, then that's when I would go out to the elementary schools and <clears throat> I would only start kids on certain things. We, after, usually after the first year, we would switch to the other, the secondary instruments, which would be the saxophones and the double reeds and tuba, baritone, French horn. We do all that. We just did the bare basics in the first year, which is flute, clarinet, trumpet, and trombone, and then mallet percussion. And um, those were the instruments that I, that I tried to kind of focus in on trying to get, see, you know, yeah, I'm a firm believer in mouthpiece testing. Some people are like, oh, it's let them play what they want to. But 
I, I know that there's been many times when I didn't do it in the beginning that you'd get kids on horns that really did not need to be on those horns. And I could have caught that if I had done the mouthpiece testing to begin with. So I felt like that that, that was helpful. But then, you know, you've got kids in there that, that have got their Aunt Judy's flute in the closet. They're not going to buy another horn, which that's fine. And they want to do flute, that's fine. You know, they can do that. I mean, I, I don't, you know, um, but there's most of the time it was based on the mouthpiece testing for, for me. Um, and then again, of course, you've got kids that can't get a buzz on the mouthpiece and they're struggling with this, but they could do the clarinet very well, although they thought they were going to play the trombone well, you know, but yet they can't get a sound with the clarinet. They're just tearing it up on over here. And so, I, I am a firm believer in that. Um, we tried to keep, now we tried to keep a good instrumentation and that's another thing, you know, um, uh, by doing the mouthpiece testing, if they're, you know, we tried to have, you know, a certain amount of every instrument, we tried to really push trombone and clarinet, you know, the, the little flute players, they're going, they're going to, pack up for you most of the time they'll be there and then you got a lot of trumpet players but the trombone and clarinet I always felt like about I had to really go a little bit more after sure uh, try to get them to, to do um, and as far as percussion goes um, we had a prerequisite that they have to have a piano background because um, a lot they it's very important that they learn that uh, mallet percussion right there at the very beginning um we pushed the the snare drum more the second year we did a little bit of snare drum and bass drum and stuff uh the first year especially when they had their concerts and that type of stuff but we pr primarily focused in on the mallets for them you know for their you know their hands but also the the um reading of music i mean that's critical mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we did as far as percussion goes. And that worked pretty well for you, I guess, over mm -hmm. the years that, that worked out. Okay. Yes. We, uh, and, and we would top it off with about six or seven percussion. We didn't pile them in there like a lot of schools do. I'm just right. like, why would you put all that many kids in there? Cause we know what can happen when kids are not busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And 15 uh, middle school drummers is <laughs> in one class is not, uh, Right, not pleasant for anyone nor conducive to a, a, a quality experience, I wouldn't think. Right. But I, I think that process is not one size fits all. Would you agree with that? Like what might work for you at Hendersonville may not work if you did the same thing at XYZ Middle School next county over. How do you, do you think that's kind of a fair comparison there? Oh, definitely fair com comparison. I, uh, um, and I've seen that since I've been working with music and arts, what used to work for me does not work over in the county next door or even in the same county and it's just the makeup of every school is different. So, and the clientele of kid is different. You know, the clientele of parents are different, you know, all of that, you know, and, and what may work at one place doesn't work for the other. Yeah, definitely. It's probably a little bit of trial and error too. I'm sure you probably did stuff that, that probably didn't work and, and found what did work. And for a young teacher, new teacher coming out, it's, would you agree it's important to kind of figure out what works for your area? Yes. They got yeah. to figure it out and see what works best. And ask questions, you know, um, you know, if, if, if they're following somebody that, that was, had a, a pretty good reputation, you, I would always encourage them to uh, go out and, and, and call them and ask them what worked for them. Right. 
Um, you know, but now in some situations, it wasn't a good situation. And, and of course, you, you're certainly not going to want to call that up. But, That's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, you know, um, the biggest thing for young teachers is, is just ask for help. You know, don't hesitate to ask for help, you know, and, and get some people in there that you trust, that you um, have experience, that's been there before. Don't, you know, a dumb question is when you don't ask it um, or do something dumb because you didn't ask and you thought, well, go ahead and do it anyway. Maybe you need to ask somebody first. Before right, absolutely. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah, for especially for young teachers, just ask, ask for help. It's, it's you got to, if you don't want to sink, you gotta, you gotta reach out to folks for sure. That's right. Exactly. Now you mentioned you started uh, flute, clarinet, trumpet, trombone, and keyboard percussion. Let's, um, how did you uh, have your classes set up? Like what, what a schedule look like for you for beginners at Hendersonville? Well, uh, my situation um, is probably like like you were saying is not like most. Uh, most schools are split by brass and woodwinds, and or it's split up in, in a certain way. You know, mine were all in there, packed in there at one time. <laughs> and oh, wow. oh yes, I had flute, uh, flute, clarinet, trumpet, and trombone, and mallet percussion. All of them were in there at one time. And so you had sixth grade band, like as a period, as a one period. time. All kids. All kids. And then wow. the seventh grade had all theirs at one time. And then eighth grade, all at one time. Wow. Um, and I had three band classes a day. And those three um, were um, right there for their only, and that was the only time we had, you know, for band. I mean, and it was 40 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, and by the time you got them in and out of there, and, and you might have had 35 minutes to be able to really um, – really be able to have instruction and right. so that meant um i mean i walked around like a crazy person in there but because you're in there trying to shove me in the door and sit down and here <laughs> we go and all that stuff yeah. um um but you really had to you could not waste time you know and people teachers that like to talk i'm like oh god you don't have time to talk you need to keep them playing keep that's right face and keep them working because, um, you know, that's not much time. I mean, it really is not much time. And then you have that many kids at once. So um, the way I'd set it up, Justin, was that um, we did have beginning band camp, which, you know, that's what we would do. We'd have offered band camp for the kids. Now, it wasn't a have-to thing, but a lot of times most of the parents would send them in there to have come to band camp during that week. And even if they only came a couple of days, at least they had an idea how to put the horn together or how to make a buzz on the mouthpiece or how to crow the clarinet mouthpiece or something. That was critical, uh, especially when you would have them all in there at one time because the kids that did not go to camp, I would put them in between the kids that did go to camp. Uh -huh. And they kind of were like, teacher helpers yeah. type of thing. and that was very very helpful um because if i didn't do camp i it would take me forever to ever get them started i could not imagine uh whew. wow yeah, yeah. um and people are, uh, when they talk about their beginners oh well if i'm not on this certain way they're too far behind well i'm gonna tell you i went slow 
I went uh-huh. very, very slow until I would say until around Thanksgiving. And then I started picking up the pace. I, I could get the kids through a method book in a year. Um, like, uh, and we would do the standard of excellence and uh, we, I would get them through that first book. And of course we would uh, do scales as well. I mean, I usually could get through at least three or four scales, maybe five, depending on the year. Some years we might do well to get through one or two, but, um, but your strong groups, you could get through five or six. So, Uh um, but uh, that was my curriculum is that I'd get them through that method book. And, and, and the biggest thing was, the basic fundamentals, making sure that they knew how to sit in the seat, how to hold the horn correctly, how to uh, produce a decent tone quality, characteristic tone quality. There it is. And, and uh, you know what I'm talking about, because That's right. when you go to MPA every year, and this is why I kept trying to encourage toward Mr. Dickens at Hendersonville Middle was that First thing on that sheet is tone quality. And when I would go and judge, you could immediately hear the tone quality. You can sure. hear it. And, and, and it all starts in the sixth grade. Right. So, um, and I know that there's been teachers like, well, they'll get better. Well, you can do that, but that makes it awfully hard. Once they, they if they start it in the sixth grade, that is so critical as far yeah. uh, setting that foundation. Oh yeah, they can build on after that. Because if yeah, if you get it started wrong there, it's really hard to fix and improve and and, and make right. If it's not right in sixth grade or somewhere, you know, it's 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 hard. Speaking of hard, why were your classes set up that way? Was that your choice or school choice, or is that just the way it was there? How how that kind of how did that? Um, well, actually, okay, when I um, came there and it was in the fall of two thousand. Um, and that's been 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just a few. That's just right. a, just yeah. a few, just a couple back. Um, Fran Shelton was the high school band director at Hendersonville at that time, but she was doing actually the entire program. She was doing middle school and high school. And it, the numbers had grown there to the point that she, it was really getting more than what she could handle and that they had hired me on uh, to do the middle school and she was going to stay at the high school. Um, and the schedule was set up to where they were like it, like it is now. I mean, it's still, that part has not changed. Um, and it's called the encore period. It's not where kids are being pulled out of PE. They're not being pulled out of, uh, health class or they're not being pulled out of, uh, the cooking class that they have there, which is a great class, by the way, for oh, yes. grade, um, and or art class. They're, they have that exploratory rotation, and they also have the encore period, which they can take band or strings. Now, they can't take band and strings. They can take one or the other. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I don't know many of the kids that would want to do both, but if they did, they couldn't do it at our school until they got to high school. Sure. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, that, and it's always been that way. And I, and there was talk about changing our schedule to moving it to, um, the extor- uh, exploratory rotation. And, um, a lot of parents came up to me and they said, you know, buddy, you're going to lose kids if you do this because, you know, they're not going to give up PE. They're not going to give up this or that. They want those choices. And, yep. and, 
We want them to stay the way things have been doing. And yes, is it a pain? Yes, it is a huge pain to go what you go through at Hendersonville, but at the same time, it's again, it's about the child and not what's convenient for the teacher necessarily. Um, it is hard and uh, I'm not gonna say it's not hard because it is and uh, to have them all in there at one time, especially beginners. Oh yeah. Gosh, and, and trying to, you know, and we have to go, we have to put the thumb on them pretty hard there in the sixth grade. Um, you know, they're going to, you know, they are not going to come in and tear the room down when they walk in the room. They're going to learn how to walk in there as ladies and gentlemen and get your horn out and sit down and, and do it quietly. We don't expect them to sit there and not breathe, but, you know, at the same time, you know, there's expectations on how to come in a room and how to do it in a, an appropriate manner. Sure. And that's, that's the thing about uh, what we expect. And again, it comes down to expectations of the class as well. I think a lot of, of uh, I know as a young teacher, I didn't think a whole, whole lot about it at first until WC said, and Matt Liner and somebody else said, hey, how do these kids come to this classroom? And you, you don't think about, you have to teach them literally everything from how you walk in the room, how you sit, how you open your case. You don't oftentimes think about that as a young teacher. That is, that is correct. Exactly, Justin. Um, when I started teaching middle school, uh, I had heard one time that the younger the group, the more structure you have to have for children. Uh, and especially like sixth grade, I mean, how they come in the room, how they do this, how they open the case, how they do, I mean, it sounds so crazy, but if you don't address it, it's a mess. It's a, just as a complete zoo. So you, and I never realized how I had to break things down so much. I mean, you real, I mean, you have to break it down to, to completely to a science. On, on how you teach kids how to do things. I mean, especially, and especially with sixth grade. Now, granted, I don't treat my eighth graders like that, but, right. but, you know, but again, they're older, you know, and older means more privilege, but also more responsibility too. You can't assume they know how to do stuff in sixth grade. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so would that mean with your schedule that Fran could come help you? And you yes. would help her with the way that schedule worked? How, would she be in your room helping regularly or... Uh, well, we did it. We pretty much every day. I mean, you know, there there would be days that stuff schedules at the two schools might be off to where I had to stay at the middle school and she had to stay at the high school. Right. Uh, but most of the time, you know, I'd go down in uh, the schedule set up to where she could be there during eighth grade, and then I would be down at the high school when the ninth grade was there. So the transition, the the eighth graders. Well, and they knew Fran. I mean, they, they knew her actually probably when they were in sixth grade. They've always known her because we'd always do concerts together. But uh, the eighth grade, um, she'd be there and she'd help with eighth grade. And then, of course, I would go down for the ninth grade and help and see that there was always that continuity, which we really were very good about getting kids to the high school. Um, and I, I think that's very important because the schedule worked out, worked out to make that work for us. And, uh, uh, you know, because if the kids were, you know, and when you have two directors, you know, also they're going to favor one or the other at this any particular time. And, you know, which is fine. I mean, that we don't go there about all that, but it's just, you know, if they were prone more to go by what I did, at least I was there to help them in the ninth grade or vice versa, 
you know, because they might not necessarily care for me at the eighth grade level, but they would have her, you know, so, uh, and plus it was a male female thing where, you know, you know, um, you didn't have two women working together or two men working together. It just, you, I mean, it's funny how kids think sometimes. So Mm -hmm. it's a good balance. It seemed like good balance. Yeah. That's what I should say. It worked out well. Um, you talked about curriculum a little bit earlier about teaching uh, up to sometimes five and six scales. How did you figure out what you wanted to teach? How did your curriculum evolve over the years? How did you kind of structure that and figure out what worked for you? Um, talking to people <laughs> um, and observing what um, good programs did. I mean, I thought we had a good program at Hendersonville, but then, uh, you know, there's other programs out there that I thought did well and maybe even better. And I thought, well, okay, what are they doing? And I would ask questions, um, you know, to certain directors, you know, there's a couple of schools up in this area that were very, very, uh, very, very good too, that I, that I trusted. Um, there's even directors downstate that, you know, that, um, that were just very, very good teachers. And I, and I would just ask questions and um, they said, well, you know, we do this many scales. And I'm like, really, you teach them all these scales. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing well to get, you know, this or that done, but you know, yeah. And uh, we would do one octave scales. We didn't, um, if I had a good clarinet section or a good flute section, you could probably teach a couple of the two octave scale ones in the sixth grade. And, and there's some teachers out there that, that that's part of their curriculum already anyway, which is a great thing to do. Um, but my, it changed over time just by observing other, other programs and wanting to continue to improve, make the program better and make me a better teacher too. Um, that's philosophically, that's how I look at it. It's just, uh, you know, always looking to be a better teacher, working to improve, what can you do to make things better for your kids? So what will help them going into the seventh grade? Uh-huh. Um, scales, I felt like were important, especially, well, for all of them, but um, like um, like the E-flat concert scale would be good for the trumpet section because they're having to t- push those trumpet players to go up to high F in the sixth grade or trombones going up to high E-flat in sixth grade, um, which a lot of them struggled, but, but then you've got kids over there that are over there that are, you know, are going just very determined. They're going to get it no matter what. Right. You're putting that uh, out there for them. Then it's going to challenge them to do that. So. I know I picked Matt Liner's brain and Rodney Workman's brain. I still do. And I, they're probably tired of me asking the questions, but it's there. We're so close and I know them really well. And that, that was a very, very important part is establishing those connections and just saying, Hey, how do you do this? and looking at their programs and seeing what they're doing. And it's like, Oh, wow. You know, middle school kids can do all of this. Um, right. It just talk right. to them. It's just well, incredible. I'm glad you said that Justin, because um, it's something that I told Daniel Dickens that uh, when I first started teaching middle school, um, you probably have heard of Pat Guerin, who was the band director at Asheville junior high all those years. Uh, uh-huh. She came and worked my band a few times before we went to MPA a couple of times. And, the first thing she would say to me is she said, she would tell the kids, she said, you know, don't let somebody tell you that you can't do something. She said, it's all about, again about expectation and what you expect out of kids. She said, if, um, she said, why can't middle school kids play in tune? Why can't middle school 
kids play with balance? Why can't they play with, um, with dynamics or that type of thing? Again, it's just, a, it's, she said, you know, that's a bunch of blank to blank blank. She didn't say it to the kids, but she said it to me after the rehearsal. She said, yeah, you just got to expect it out of them. Right. And, and that's true. Uh, again, about what, what, uh, that part of my teaching got better as I got, as I was teaching. I'm probably rambling. Sorry. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a great discussion. This is what this all is all about. It's awesome. Uh, it's fantastic to hear though. It's good stuff. Uh, now let's go back and talk about clarinets real fast. I've heard you're incredible at starting and teaching clarinets among, of course, lots of things, but I've heard uh, especially your clarinet teaching. Can you talk to us a little bit about clarinet teaching? I was, uh, yes. Um, when I, um, first started teaching middle school. Um, again, you know, I was, I could teach woodwinds and, you know, but it was, I never, I always second guessed myself. I thought, well, you know, they're okay, but they could be better. And then you go to contest and, you know, the, the judges would harp all about the woodwinds cause they were out of tune or they're out of this and that. And I just never felt comfortable. And, um, one year, we struggled. In fact, we made it to a contest one year and it was, and, and, and very well deserved. I don't question. I don't question. Um, and it was woodwinds and it was predominantly the clarinets. And I thought, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of worrying about trying to teach this. And the clarinet teacher at Mars Hill at the time, Paula Corley, um, she, I, I went to her and I said, I need your help. I, I, and she, oh, she was great. She, I told her, I said, I want, I said, I'll buy me a clarinet. I got an old junker clarinet <laughs> and we had lessons uh, uh, for an entire summer. And I told her, I said, Paula, I want you to treat me as if I were a sixth grader that knew absolutely nothing. I said, assume nothing, tell me everything you know, and she, we went over embouchure, we went through hand position, we went through fingerings, we went through all this stuff, but the embouchure especially was so critical. And again, it comes back to sixth grade band. You know, she said they have to establish this in the sixth grade. And Paula also, um, not only was she a great clarinet teacher, but she taught middle school in Texas and those bands down there played very, very well. And oh, she yeah. would talk, we'd talk about, you know, the expectation level. She also helped me not only with clarinet, but also what to expect as far as what I wanted to, the band to sound like, because she, I would, had just been, I had taught high school all those years and I was like, well, I understand that, but what should a good middle school sound like? I mean, I'm just, I was really struggling with that for a long time because, um, you know, you say that they need to sound like a high school, but they don't sound like a high school and they're not going to because they're younger. But, you know, I had a hard time with that. And she, she helped me tremendously with, with learning how to address the beginning things with them, how to do MPA with eighth grade. Um, but the clarinet part of it, she, oh, listen, she was phenomenal. And my clarinets, after I took the lessons just in that summer, and she would never take a payment. I had to take her out for lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every go. day. But food, uh, food fixes everything. <laughs> it does. It really does. <laughs> um, but she, um, after, after I took lessons with her, I, I taught, I, she, 
taught me everything that I needed to teach my kids. And, and then when they went on to high school, that was up to the high school director to take care of whatever was, but I make sure that I was doing my part by making sure those kids did what they needed to do to, to be successful. And, and after I took that first year, it was never an issue again. I, um, and I mean, I've had clarinet sections that were weaker at times, but it was just because that happened to be that particular group, you know, right, right. and then there was others that did well, you know, but, but the, the confidence level as us as teachers, we have to find ways to build that build up to be better. And I felt like those lessons were tremendous for me. You got to learn that craft. You got to take whatever, oh, yes. do whatever it takes to learn it. And that, yes. that can't be a comfortable thing sometimes. I don't, at least for me, just say, hey, I don't know what's going on. How do I, how do I fix this? It's hard for me to admit that stuff. But we can't be afraid to admit. To all the, you don't have to have all the, all the answers. As right. you will know, or any of us know, you know that. Yeah. Um, just ask for help. My, my goodness, I've had to. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the only way to, to really, truly learn what we need to fix. And that reflection part is so vital. And we can't, oh, yes. be, can't be afraid to ask. Um, for that help. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you and Fran worked together. Um, just talking about bridging the gap from kind of middle school to high school, any tips for folks to kind of get kids through that, what I think is a kind of a hump or a kind of a, I don't know, it's just kind of an odd spot sometimes for some folks. What are some tips to get that kind of gap bridge from middle school to high school? Well, uh, you know, again, um, Kids hear things, you know, sometimes, or they uh, perceive things sometimes about, you know, middle school or high school or whatever. And um, I always told my kids, you know, when they get ready to go to high school, if you don't think that you want to do this for four years because, you know, you want to do other things, at least do it one year, give it one year, and that would give Fran a year to lock them in and that would help her you know get them down there to the high school and you know I mean we we would lose kids I mean it's not like we didn't lose kids but we but our percentage that we kept in band because of the schedule and the way we did things I felt like was such a bonus and that it, it helped us bridge that gap between middle school and high school and so she could get most of them um, um, because, and another thing I also told the kids is that this is not a six through eight program. It's a six through 12 program. And, and again, we would do concerts together and what she would do when they were seniors in high school is that they would make a big deal about the seniors and that they got a rose to give to their parents. And they would, that, that we did that on the last concert. And, and my, I always tell the eighth grade, I'm like, guys, I want to see you up there on that stage when you're a senior in high school. You know, I want to see you give that rose to your, your mother. You know, we want you to be able to, we want you to be there. You know, again, it's a six through 12 program. Right. That's an incredible thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible um, to see those kids doing that. And, and uh, for the middle school kids to see that, that that's what happens when you go all through band and become a senior, you get to give a rose to your mom and you're up on stage and wow, that, that would definitely, uh, be one of those motivators I think to to get them on and that working relationship with the high school director and high school with middle school I think is a, a huge part of it like you're talking about yeah. as well it's especially if you're a single feeder to the high school yes and we were we were yeah um 
the um, very well, you know, very rarely did we get kids. I mean, we would have kids transfer in, but um, yeah, but predominantly, yeah, all of them came from Hendersonville Middle to Hendersonville High. Yeah. So that makes it even more important to have uh, something in place to get those kids from one place to the next. Cause if it's a single feeder and you're not, things aren't working well together, it's really hard to, right. to have progress there and continuation. So yes, it's good stuff to hear to, to work together with each other. And uh, that's critical. You have that to. Um, and I know that there are situations out there that aren't, and that's unfortunate because I, again, I think that who suffers is the children. Oh, that's exactly right. It's, we got to sometimes put together our differences as, as adults right. and make things work for the kids. And you got to see the program in, in whole, I think long-term and um, as a big picture, not just our individual machines, you know, and got to be working yeah. together. Exactly. exactly. If you want it to be successful, you got you to do it. I think. Um, yes. Yeah. What was your, what do you feel is your biggest struggle as a middle school band director? That's a tough question. Um, it's a good question too. Um, well, I think there's a couple of things that, uh, and it's probably on different levels of things. Um, um, I felt like the, one of the struggles that we had at Hendersonville was is getting your staff to buy into what the band does. And I don't know about your school, but um, um, we have faculty that don't think that it's important to, for kids to come to band during their band time. And they will just take it out of their, they'll take it out of your hands to pull kids out to make up a test. So they don't have to take up their planning time to go do something else, which uh, let me put it this way. Buddy Gudger has tangled with several eighth grade teachers. It's not so much the, the other two levels as much as it would be eighth grade. Right. Um, right. That's the group, and that's the group that goes to MPA. Um, and then they're in there making up a math test. Well, guess what? You can make it up during your instructional time and don't take it away from mine. And, Bingo. And my, there was an assistant principal one time that wanted to argue with me. And I, and I just, I wasn't putting anything on the line, but I just turned around and told him, I said, well, if this is what you expect out of me, you might want to think about getting, just let me know. And I will, I will be happy to walk out that door. And I wasn't, I wasn't being a, a smart aleck, but I just sure. told him, that, you know, you may want to find somebody else to do this because I don't think you want a band director that's not going to stand up for their program. Right. And what I do, I feel like is extremely important and it's important to those children and those parents are paying for an instrument that they're not being able to do because they're having to make up a math test. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I've encountered some of that too. It's, it's, it's few and far between, especially now I think folks have figured out we don't, we don't pull kids out of band for this kind of stuff, but uh, yeah. I've definitely had some, some tangos myself and uh, your degree hanging on your wall was earned just like their degree hanging on their wall. Exactly. So it's got to be a cohesive, uh, positive working experience. It's got to work together, but you can't pull kids out of uh, X encore class to do whatever else. That's just, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, How'd you work to build those relationships? Build those relationships. And um, uh, we've had, we had some issues with that a few times. And I think, um, Daniel might possibly still have a few of those issues, but um, 
we've I've talked him through it, <laughs> and um, I think that he's handling it pretty well. I, as a young teacher, he's he's done very very well actually, in my opinion, as a as a young teacher. Um, as far as the kids goes, as far as challenges, um, the instructional part of it, um, I felt like the three grade levels, I've, and it, this is something else that I try to impress upon Daniel, that I always felt like the seventh grade was always the, the most challenging to deal with. And it's not because they don't behave, because that, that was not the issue. It's just that they're going through so many things. They're not the babies. They're not the oldest kids. They're not... Um, they're going through so many changes physically, and of course, the, you know, they're very immature, very silly in the seventh grade, um, and and it, it 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 poses to be issues at times for that particular grade level. Now, not always in every case, every year for seventh grade, but I always felt like seventh grade at the three grade levels was always the more challenging to teach, right. and a lot that you have to teach them. I mean, um, absolutely. Um, I felt like seventh grade, they have to, they have to have all their all district scales learned. They need to, to know all the basic rhythm, rhythmical patterns, you know, the 16 combinations, the six, eight, three, eight, dot eight, 16, cut time, all that stuff, all that needs to be addressed in seventh grade so they can be able to, to, to um, do grade three music by the time they're in eighth grade. Right. Right. And so as a younger teacher, it'd be a kind of a, uh, figuring out how to teach that stuff. And that's a big challenge on figuring out how to get that stuff structured and, and, and kind of squared away and, and dealing with all their stuff as well <laughs> on top of everything else. That's right. That's right. If you could offer one piece of advice to a, a college student going into this profession or somebody who's recently went into it or getting ready to go into it, what's your one piece of advice you could offer that uh, person? Um, well, several things. Um, I think the first thing that I, I, I told Daniel when I, when I re retired and he took over, I told him, I said, just when you go in it, try to focus on the fundamentals and keep a sense of humor because um, um, I'd been there for a lot of years and I thought, well, he's going to hear, well, Mr. Goodger did this, Mr. Goodger did that, which I don't know that he's heard that quite that much because the kids really like Daniel anyway. They knew him before I retired. So they, they wanted him. So, um, and it worked out that we got him in there. So, um, but it's, um, uh, I feel like that um, just keeping that sense of humor and focus on the basics ask for help people will help you they will come um, i know that he's had a lot of help i know that um every once in a while I'm, i've been able to go in and, and help fran goes in and helps i know that there's several other band directors in the area that have gone in and helped him um that's important and just also do the right thing always do the right thing i know that um I mean, it's, I don't know how many times we've seen young directors do something, something stupid and it's, and I hate to put it that way, but it, it that's, you know, that's true. That's right. Um, you know, not following through with procedures that your administration expects like money or uh, anything that's dealing with, you know, procedures, like I said, or, you know, um, 
I don't know how many times we've seen indecent things go on as well. So, you know, I feel like that that's something that should be learned before they even get out into the workforce. That should, should be something that they learn in college, but I don't know. I, evidently they think it's okay to do that. You know, it's not, I mean, it's just um, do the right thing. Right. Absolutely. Make good decisions. Make good decisions. And, and if you're not for sure, ask questions <laughs> it all comes back to that asking part and yes, that, uh, networking kind of getting involved with folks i think and kind of figuring out everything right well buddy it's been a pleasure to have you on here today it's um uh, so much information here it's uh, incredible information um it, it, there's no um denying why you were a great band director so i like mexican food so if uh, once the mexican restaurants open back up I do too. <laughs> we'll have to meet one sometime when these places open back up and have a, have a, a meal, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, so glad to have you. Uh, I know our listeners are in for a treat and I hope, uh, hope you take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you for asking. My pleasure. Take care. You too.